Brian and Victor did a live stream a video for just a few minutes this afternoon at 1 o'clock. It's posted out there for you to see. Talks about how we're going to do things on Sunday. Basically, we are allowed to have 25% uh, occupancy in the building, and we are going to run a 9 a.m. service and a 10.30 a.m. service. I want to encourage you, if you can, to be here also want to encourage you to watch that video because uh, there's a lot of great information about how we're going to set things up and how we're going to make sure that uh, we stay in those guidelines that we're required to stay in to keep everybody safe. But I am so glad tonight that we're going to be able to get back in that building. We're going to be able to come together as a congregation again and worship as a congregation in the building. I have loved being out here it has been tremendous. I got over my fear, just walked up the, uh, the ladder here, got over my fear that first week of being up here. And I'll tell you what, the Lord has given us service after service, just great weather and a great time. And it's good to see you guys out here. It's good to know that you are streaming online. And I'm trusting him. It's interesting when you look at uh, what's happening with our live stream, what's happening with the church our live stream audience is growing not just a little bit, but actually exponentially through this time. And we are reaching people not only all around the country, but all around the world are tuning in uh, from different locations. People who consider Lakeshore Church to be their home, even though they don't live in Covington, Louisiana. And we have trusted God through this whole thing that we are going to come out stronger on the back end of this, that coming out of this crisis, coming out of this pandemic, that we are going to be stronger as individual Christians and that we're going to be stronger as a church. And we trust that we're going to grow through this, not because of us, but because of who he is, because we have been honoring him and pointing everyone to him on a daily basis. And so tonight, I want to finish up with this series that I started a few weeks ago on miracles with a message that I've entitled, Miracles in Your Home, Nothing is Impossible. You know, over the last few weeks, I told you that I believe that in this hour that we're living in, in these last days, that God is raising up an Elijah generation, a generation that is not going to be satisfied with the status quo, not going to be satisfied with just a, a little bit of God or a little bit of the Holy Spirit, a little bit of the anointing and the presence of God in their life, but a generation that is going to get serious about the things of God and have a heartfelt desire to go deeper with Him, deeper than they have ever gone. A generation that I believe is going to see a greater anointing and a greater physical presence of God in their lives, one that will believe him for more, a generation that is going to trust him for more, a generation that is going to be fearless, a generation that will walk in the signs and wonders and miracles that we read about over and over in Scripture, one that will see the hand of God move through them in these last days unlike any other time that we see in biblical history. I lock into God's word where it says that in the last days, God is going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And when you read those passages of scripture, they say that God is going to not just give the 
uh, latter rain, but he's going to give the former rain and the latter rain in the same season. And so that means I believe that this anointing that God is pouring out in these last days is going to be unlike and greater than anything that the church and God's people have seen up to this point. And trust me, we're going to need it as we see what is happening in the world and where the world is going. And I'm excited about that. And I told you last week that I believe that not only is there going to be an Elijah generation, but there's going to be an Elijah generation also, a group of believers who are going to look at God in this time and they're going to say, those things that I've heard about are not enough for me. Those things that I have seen in my life are not enough for me. But Lord, I want more. I want to go even deeper. I want to experience even more of your presence, more of your anointing, more of the things that you have for me, not for me, but for your honor and your glory. And I believe that God is going to respond in this generation and give even more than we think is possible to those who will rise to the occasion, submit to him and say, Lord, simply use me. Now, tonight I want to bring this message as we close out this series to right where you live, and I want to talk to you about trusting God for miracles in your own home. Because it's one thing to read about the miracles of the Bible. It's another thing to even see miracles around you in the world and to know that things are happening. But it is quite a different thing to see it in your own home. And I'm here to tell you tonight that miracles are not just for others. They're for you. They are for your family, and God desires for you to see them not only in your ministry, not only around you, but he desires for you to see them every day in your own home and in your own life. If I were to recap this message for you tonight right from the beginning, there are basically three things that I want you to know. With Three things that I want you to know, not from a head knowledge tonight, but I want you to walk away with it deep in your spirit where God begins to move in your heart and begins to stir you on to deeper things. Number one, miracles are for today. Number two, absolutely nothing is impossible for God. Miracles are for today. Nothing is impossible for God. And you, number three, should expect and also see miracles in your home and in your family, in your Christian walk, I believe, every single day. We ought to be living in the miraculous. We ought to be living in the supernatural tonight. Last week, I asked the question as we looked to that first point, miracles are for today. And I asked the question, why wouldn't we believe that miracles are for today? I could stand up here for two or three services and talk to you about miracle after miracle and give you proof after proof from Scripture about miracles and, and from today, miracles that are actually happening. But I want to talk to you by, about just a few things tonight to drive this point home that miracles are for today and to build your faith. So last week when I asked you the question, why wouldn't we believe that miracles are for today? You know, there are those who teach today that the supernatural is simply not for today. For them, the signs and the wonders and the miracles and the supernatural things that we see in Scripture are simply not for this generation. They're not for today. They were for the New Testament church, and when the apostles died, those miracles, those signs and wonders died with them. And they would simply teach that God does not work in that way anymore. And many would go on to say that God has given us everything we need in these last days through Jesus Christ. And that is true. He has given us everything that we need through Jesus Christ. 
But they would say that because of that, we no longer need to see that supernatural in our life. And to them, I would simply say this, you need to read your Bible. You need to read your Bible and understand what Scripture actually says about the miraculous because miracles, as I said last week, are not just a New Testament church thing. You see them all throughout the Bible, Old Testament from the book of Genesis all the way through the New Testament to the book of Revelation. We serve a supernatural God. We serve a God of miracles, signs, and wonders tonight. In the Old Testament, if you were just to look at the Old Testament, there are over 80 miracles that are recorded in the Old Testament. Creation itself is full of miracle after miracle as God literally spoke everything that we see into existence. We see stories in the Old Testament about people being raptured. One minute they are walking here on the earth, the next minute they are completely gone. The rapture is not just a New Testament concept, but it is shown in the Old Testament. We see the flood of Noah, and we see how God miraculously saved mankind and saved Noah through that flood. We see things like Lot's wife being turned to a pillar of salt that miraculously happened. It was a judgment upon her, but nonetheless, it was out of the ordinary. We see things like donkeys all of a sudden talking and speaking. We see bushes that are burning. We see staffs, walking sticks that are thrown down, and they turn into snakes as a sign to the people. And when they're picked back up, they turn back into walking staffs. We see the Red Sea, and we see the Jordan parting as God allows his people to go through and allows his prophets to go through. We see God working signs and wonders through the plagues in Egypt. We see many miraculous things. We see poison waters that are bitter, healed miraculously. We see manna sent from heaven where God divinely feeds his people, not for a season of one year or two years, but for 40 years God sustained his people by miraculously sending them food from heaven. We see armies that were supernaturally defeated. We see walls that supernaturally fell. We see the very sun and moon standing still for a period of time in their, in their solar movement and their solar orbits. How many of you know that our God controls everything, including the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, and the cosmos? And when he says, stop for a moment, everything is going to stop. That's the God that we serve. We see in the Old Testament food miraculously multiplying. We see sacrifices that are consumed by heavenly fire. We see chariots of fire coming down to pick individuals up. We see crazy things like axe heads that have floated to the bottom of a, of a body of water, all of a sudden floating back up to the top because the prophet of God prays. I don't know about you, but the last time I threw a piece of metal into any body of water, it sunk to the bottom and it wasn't coming back up. But our God is a God of miracles, a God who defines the law of nature, and he defies the laws of nature when he wants. He rewrites the laws of nature. We see three men delivered from a fiery furnace. We see Daniel delivered from the lion's den, and that is just a few of the miracles that we see in the Old Testament. There are over 80 of them as you begin to go through the Old Testament and look at it. And the word tonight is this, miracles 
aren't something that has just happened because the New Testament church came along. It hasn't happened just because of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We serve a supernatural God who has been working supernaturally since the beginning of time, and he continues to work supernaturally today. In the New Testament, in Jesus' time and, and through the book of Revelation, once again, we see over 80 miracles that are talked about. When John's followers... Asked Jesus if he was the Messiah. Here's what Jesus told them. Jesus said to them, go and tell John the things that you see and hear. The blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Everywhere you see that Jesus walked, everywhere you see that he went in the New Testament, signs and wonders and miracles followed with him. And he told his followers in John 14, he said, most assuredly, I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will also do, and greater works than these will he do because I go to my Father. And he said, if we ask anything in his name, that we will see it happen, that he will do it. And that is exactly what the followers of Jesus did, and that's exactly what we see in the book of Acts. You read just the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts and you see crazy supernatural things were happening. Miracles were happening every day. It wasn't just something that happened every once in a while, but it was a daily occurrence. The gospel was being preached with such power and anointing that thousands of people at a time were coming to a saving knowledge of who Jesus is. In spite of the fact that this cult called Christianity, and that's what they called it, the cult of the way, was totally being put down by the religious people of the day and people were being persecuted to an unbelievable degree. Thousands of people were getting saved every day. That is a miracle of all miracles when the Spirit of God moves on somebody and they surrender to the Lord. But it wasn't just that. God supernaturally gave the apostles words of knowledge when they needed words of knowledge. They were able to go and get into situations and they had wisdom to understand what to say and what to do. God gave them words of knowledge in key situations to where they were able to look at somebody and cut right to the heart of the matter and read their mail. God gave them exactly what they needed. And we see that some of the apostles and, and Jesus' followers, some of even uh, the deacons who were there, were doing incredible signs and wonders. It wasn't just the, the apostles, it was the followers of Jesus. Stephen looked up and he saw heaven literally open before him. Demons were cast out of people, many people were healed. The lame and the cripple walked, they were healed. Blind eyes were open. people were raised from the dead. Prison doors miraculously opened. Philip was supernaturally transported from one place to another. One moment he was there, the next moment he was gone. Showed up somewhere else. Didn't call Uber to get there. He was immediately translated. Under intense persecution, the church grew, and even Saul, their biggest enemy, was converted and saved. And that's just the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts. There are those who would have you to believe that after the first 12 chapters of Acts, God just pulled the plug and everything just stopped. And I would ask you this question tonight, and I'm going to go beyond what I know and what I see because in my own life I'm going to testify in just a minute about modern-day miracles. But if you knew nothing else than what you know in the Old Testament and what you know in the Gospels and the book of Acts and in the New Testament, 
I would ask you this question or these questions. If God, Scripture says, is the same today as he was yesterday, if Jesus said you will do greater things than I do, if Peter quoted Joel and said that the promise of the Holy Spirit is to you, it's to your children, it's to all who are afar off, and as many as our Lord God will call, I think that covers just about everybody. It wasn't just the apostles. It, was for the, it wasn't just the early church. It was for them. It was for their children, but it was also the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that source of power and anointing, the supernatural, the signs and wonders, the validation of the gospel with miracles, the power of God unto salvation, it wasn't just for them, but it was for their children, for those who are far off, and to everyone who would call upon the name of the Lord. I think that covers you and I tonight. I think that covers where we're at. And Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says will be done he will have whatever he says. I believe Jesus meant those words when he spoke those words. I don't believe that he was just saying those words to say something nice to encourage people of his day, but I believe it's a word for you and I. I believe that miracles are very much for today. I believe they're still happening today. I don't believe that it was just an Old Testament thing. I don't believe that it was just an early church thing. I believe it's happening every single day, and I believe that it is a mandate and an expectation and a cry of the Spirit that you and I would walk in those miracles. And Billy Graham in his book on angels writes this. He said, the Reverend John G. Patton, a pioneer missionary in the New Hebrides Islands, told a thrilling story involving the protective care of angels. Hostile natives surrounded his mission's headquarters one night. And they were intent on burning the Pattons out and killing them. John Patton and his wife prayed all during the terror-filled night that God would deliver them. When daylight came, they were amazed to see, unaccountably, the attackers had left. They thanked God for delivering them. A year later then, the chief of the tribe was finally converted to Jesus Christ. And Mr. Patton, remembering that night, remembering what had happened, remembering the fact that all of those warriors were out there ready to attack, and inexplicably, they walked away, inexplicably, they never attacked. He asked the chief the question, what had kept them from burning down the house and killing them on that night a year ago? The chief replied in surprise, well, who were all those men that you had with you there? The missionary answered, there were no men there. It was just my wife and I. And the chief argued that they had seen many men standing guard, hundreds of big men in shining garments with drawn swords in their hands, and they seemed to circle the mission station so that the natives were afraid to attack. Only then did Mr. Patton realize that God had sent his angels to protect them, and the chief agreed there was no other explanation you see, you can't tell me that it's just a New Testament church thing. God is still saving. God is still delivering. God is still protecting his children tonight. Signs, wonders, miraculous things are happening. Here is a missionary and his wife who are literally praying for God to deliver them. They have no idea what is going on, and at that very moment, they are literally surrounded by the heavenly host. God has sent his angels to keep them and to deliver them. God miraculously delivered them. 
and they got the testimony in the end. I believe that that happens all the time, and we just never realize that that happens. I believe that one day we're going to stand in front of him, and he is going to let us know how many times we were this close to tragedy in our life, and God intervened, and he saved us. I remember there was a time when I was working in a downtown drugstore, and and during this particular day, we had a, a lot of theft that would happen in this particular store, and people would run in, and they would grab stuff, and they would run back out. This one particular day, I was up in the front of that store, and somebody came in, and they stole something. They just grabbed as much as they could, threw it into a shopping basket, and ran out the front door, and I had had just about enough, and so I decided I was going to go stop them. And so I ran to the back of the store, and I knew that there was an alley next to the store and that they were going to go out and run down that alley to the street and back. This was downtown city. And what happened was I ran out, got out that back door, and as I was going out the back door, this individual was just running past that back door. I turned down that alley. I began to run after that individual and was starting to get close to that individual when all of a sudden somebody from behind me physically, verbally yelled at me, Vic, stop, he has a knife. I heard it. It wasn't just in my head. It was an audible voice behind me. At that very moment, I stopped, and at that very moment, that person turned around, and sure enough, in their hand was a knife. And when they saw that I stopped, they turned around and continued to run. I could have lost my life that day, had somebody from behind me not called out my name and said, Vic, stop. I turned around expecting to find a friend, somebody who knew me, somebody who would still be there wondering whether I was safe, and to my amazement, there was nobody there. There's no way that anybody who knew me and understood what was going on would have called my name out, called out that situation, and then turned around and left without making sure that I was okay and saying, hey, that was close. That was an angel of the Lord. I believe it to this day that God intervened in my life and that I'm here tonight because of that time and many times like it. Many of you know our story, Rose, and, and my story, how in 2017 she was diagnosed with stage 2 cancer. One night as her treatment was just beginning, she came to bed. Some of you have already heard this. I've told this a couple times. Maybe you haven't heard this, but one night at the beginning of her treatment, she came to bed. I was already sleeping, and she woke me up, and she said, are you in spiritual warfare? Apparently, I was praying in my sleep, and apparently it was intense prayer. I don't remember praying. I remember her waking me up, and I remember just matter-of-factly saying yes and going back to bed. Good husband that I am, I went right back to bed. I said, at least I was praying in my sleep, right? At that time, she was still up, and as she sat there contemplating what was going on, laid there in bed, she looked up, and a figure dressed in white literally walked in that bedroom, across the foot of the bed, up to the side of the bed, stopped and laid hands on her. At that moment, she knew that Jesus had healed her. In that very moment, she knew that everything was going to be all right. Yesterday, we had a missions meeting. I was driving back, and I just got part of this in the car as I'm trying to listen, so I actually had to call David Espy and ask him to tell me what he said in this missions meeting. Dave Espy yesterday told us about his nephew, Jeremiah. Jeremiah is six years old, 
and in the first six years of his life, he's had four or five surgeries to repair leaking valves in his heart. Doctors recently on a visit said, you're going to need another surgery. Your valves are leaking again, and they're leaking badly. David began to pray about this, and God began to deal with him in his heart, and he called his sister, and he said, I know that we prayed before, but we're going to pray again, and this time it's going to be different. God was welling up a faith within him to believe God for more. He said something in him said, this time it's going to be different, and he started to believe. He started to believe God that something was going to happen, and so he took a trip to Texas. He drove all the way to Texas to go and to lay hands on that six-year-old boy and to pray with him and to pray with the family. Jeremiah recently just went back to the doctor, and he went back to have a scan in preparation for, uh, for this surgery that was going to happen. Shortly after that scan, the family received a call from the doctor's and the doctors were confused, and they said, you've got to come back in. We've got to do more tests. And they rushed him back in for another scan. You can imagine that his mother was heartbroken, wondering what in the world was going on. And when she got there, she was concerned. And the doctor said, don't worry. It's not bad. We don't know how. We can't explain it. The leaks are gone. He no longer needs surgery. A real miracle today just happened. We give God the praise and the glory. That's the God that we serve. Those are just a few examples in the Old Testament and the New Testament today, the God that we serve. You can believe him for more. He is still performing miracles today. And the Bible tells us that absolutely nothing is impossible for him. What that means to me is that in your darkest hour when you literally have no answers, when there seems to be no way out, when it seems that all is lost, when it appears that it's all over and it's all done, when the doctor may say that there's no hope, when you don't know how to fix a particular problem, hang on, pray, believe, and trust him because when God shows up, things are going to happen. When his spirit begins to move, it is at those times when we realize that we are at our most vulnerable, that we are at our weakest, when we have nothing else in us to give, and we finally turn to him and we turn it over to him and we trust him, that God moves and he shows himself strong. You know, over my life, I have learned to get much quicker to that point. I've learned even in the beginning, when I could maybe try to figure it out, it's so much easier just to say, okay, Lord, let me just lay it at your feet. Lord, I don't want to go through the problem of trying to figure this out. I don't want to walk through, you know, trying to walk through this on my own, but I need you to walk through it with me. And he begins to work in miraculous, miraculous ways. Nothing is impossible for him. You know, Matthew chapter 17, this is the scripture that I posted on on the uh, Facebook post tonight for, for this message is when the disciples came back to Jesus and they were asking him the question, why couldn't we cast out the demon that Jesus said, it was because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. See, so I ask myself the question, do I really believe it? There have been so many mountains in my life, been so many times I've wished that they would go away. So many times I've prayed not really believing that they would go away. 
and I've lived with those mountains in my life, and I've seen those mountains not be removed. But there have been other times where the mountains have been right in front of me, and they seem to be insurmountable. They seem to be bigger than anything that I could ever have a solution for. And I will tell you in those times when I grab a hold of God's word, when I say, Lord, it is beyond me, but it is not beyond you, and I'm going to trust you irregardless of what my natural senses tell me, irregardless of what everybody else tells me, it is in those times that I have seen the hand of God move in our lives in ways that I could not even begin to explain to you. I said I wanted to talk to you lastly about miracles in your own home. Let me talk to you for a few minutes as we close out tonight or get ready to close out about the nature of miracles. I started this series by telling you that a miracle is not an event that is explainable by natural or scientific laws. That is the nature of a miracle is it's a miracle because it's supernatural. It goes beyond anything that we would naturally expect or naturally see. And they happen, I believe, because God shows up in our trouble and he intervenes to change natural situations. You see, in the New Testament, wherever Jesus went, miracles happened. Even in those places where there wasn't a lot of faith and many miracles didn't happen, still miracles happened for those who had faith, for those who would believe. Wherever he went, people followed with him. Wherever he went, people who were there were waiting to see him. And there was one thing that all of these people had in common. They knew that if they could just get into his presence, if they could just get an audience with Jesus, if they could just, in some cases, touch the hem of his garment, if they could just get him to say the word, if they could, if they could just get into his line of sight and make eye contact with him and let him know what their problem was, that things were going to change. And everybody who approached him with that kind of expectancy and that kind of faith walked away with what they were looking for when they came. Their need was met. Their lives were changed forever. Jesus said this, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents if they drink anything deadly. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. You see, I don't know about you tonight, but I believe in Jesus. And I've been thinking about the fact that these signs will follow those who believe. And I ask myself the question, why is it that those signs follow us wherever we go as believers? Why is it that those signs follow those who believe? And you know, it's very simple. Jesus said this, he said in Matthew 28, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. In John 14, Jesus said, I'm going, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be with you. You see, what happens is the reason why signs and wonders follow us is not because of us, but it is because Jesus lives in us. It is because his spirit resides in us. And just like it was in the New Testament, just like it was in, in the new early church age and days, wherever we go, we can expect that these signs and wonders are going to happen because it's all about him and it's not about us. You see, when I get into situations where I need a miracle, when I get into situations where people around me need miracles, I don't have to work it up. I don't have to rely on me. Jesus is already there with me. His spirit is already there with me. 
In 2 Kings chapter 2, Elijah goes to a woman's house. The Bible tells us this. There was a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets, and she cried out to Elijah, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? And he asked her a key question. He said, tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. I think that's an interesting scripture because she needed a miracle. And Elijah simply cut to the heart of the matter and he said, you need a miracle. What do you have in your house? I'm going to ask you the question tonight when we talk about miracles in your house. What do you have in your house? What is it that God has given you? What is it that God has entrusted you with in your very home, the very anointing that he's given you, the very calling that he's given you? And how are you walking that out? How are you allowing God to use it in your life? Are you walking in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit? Are you walking in the signs and wonders that he said that we should walk in? Some of us would say, I don't really have anything that God could use. I can't think of anything that I have that would really begin to see the supernatural happen in my life. And can I remind you of one thing that you have in your house tonight? You have the presence of God in your house tonight. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Wherever you go, wherever you are, whether it is out on the streets, whether it is going to work, whether it is going to the grocery store, whether it is coming into this church, whether it is in your house, the Spirit of God is with you. The presence of Jesus is with you. So why wouldn't we see the miraculous follow us wherever we go? Why wouldn't we see the Lord work wherever we go? You carry the presence and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit with you wherever you go. And for me, that starts at home. It starts at home, and some of you have been looking for a miracle. I heard a great message from Jensen Franklin, and he, he talked about this very thing. And he asked a question. He said, you know, he said, some of you are looking for a miracle. And let me say this. He said, if, if you've been waiting for the church to open back up so that you can get your miracle, if you need the church to be open to get back to prayer, if you... I said, if you've been looking to online services as your only source of Bible study and worship, you're missing something tonight. I'm here to tell you that miracles are closer than you think. If the coronavirus has taught us anything, if this season has taught us anything, it's simply this. Things can change very quickly. You know, there are some churches that have actually shut services down completely. If you were going to particular churches, you wouldn't have a service to go to. I thank God that we've been able to do it, but, you know, it's, it's just the question then is, you know, how would we be if the services weren't happening? You see, in Scripture, the Bible tells us this, that we're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're called to be priests in our own home. We're called to be spiritual leaders in our own home. And so what that means for me is that regardless of what's happening at the church, regardless of what's happening in the world around me, if the government shut it down permanently tomorrow, if I lived in China and I couldn't openly worship the Lord or go to a church, it would have to happen in my own home. The power and the anointing of God would have to be present in my own home. And that's the way that it should be today. We have the freedom to do all these things, but those miracles, the anointing, the power of God happen in your own home. 
It happens by you staying in God's presence in your own home. It happens by you worshiping in your own home. It happens by you lifting up the name of Jesus in your own home. It happens by trusting God for miracles in your own home. It happens by gathering your kids and your loved ones around and saying, we're going to trust God through this and we're going to pray and trust God for a miracle. It happens by reaching out and saying, Lord, if nobody else is going to pray, I'm trusting you that you are enough. You see, sometimes we may not have the luxury of somebody else praying for us. There's going to be a time in my life when nobody is going to be around and I'm going to be faced with a crisis. And I'm not going to have the luxury maybe of picking up the phone and dialing my spiritual 911 and finding somebody that I can say, hey, can you pray for me? In those times, I have to be able to be walking with the Lord and trusting him for miracles. This world needs a church that is going to walk in miracles. They need to see that it's not just something that we talk about, but it's something that's evident in our life. I said last week there are so many, there are so many Christians, so many churches today that are these end-time churches that Scripture talks about, about having a form of godliness but denying the power. I want a form of godliness. I want real godliness, not just a form of it. I want real godliness. And I want the power and the anointing of God working in my life and working in your life. I want that to be a demonstration to everybody around me. When they look at me, I want them to see God. I want them to see his power. I want them to see who he is, that we serve a supernatural God. I want to be able to stand in the day of trouble and look the enemy right in the face and to say to the enemy, no further. You cannot come any further. I'm not allowing you to take any more ground. I want to be able to look at the enemy and look at the situation when the enemy is attacking my family and my children, coming against people that I love and people that I know, and begin to pray against that and begin to trust God for miraculous deliverance, begin to trust him for miraculous healing in my family, those around me. I want to see the supernatural every day. And, you know, the Bible tells us that we can have that. I want to end with this. And I've just written this down. Moms, dads, head of households, it's time that we step into the role of high priest in our home. It's time that we get serious about God. It's time that we step out in faith. It's time that we trust him for more. And tonight, that starts in our own home. It starts with looking at him and saying, Lord, show me how to walk that out in my own home. Let it be real with my house because when it's real in my life, when it's real in my house, then it's going to be real everywhere else. Don't just come here and expect that you're going to find it here. Carry it with you because you have the Spirit of God everywhere you go. And everywhere you go, you ought to be taking ground for the kingdom. Everywhere you go, the enemy ought to be screaming, oh, man, there they come. Oh, man, I better get out of the way. There's that tongue-talking, crazy Christian person, and the power of the Holy Spirit is on him, and I better get out of the way. Everywhere you go, miracles, signs, and wonders should follow you. You ought to walk in a situation and walk in a room, and when you walk away, it's changed. Something happens. Deliverance happens. People get free. Things change. I don't, I don't want to just walk in a hospital and pray for people and walk out and have nothing happen. I don't want to just walk by people and tell them, have a nice day, and hopefully one day it will get better. I want to look at them with the conviction of the Lord and say it's going to get better. It's going to get better because I know who the King of kings and Lord of lords is. And if you'll surrender your life to him, if you'll serve him, he's going to do something special in your life. Why don't you stand with me tonight as we close out? 
I want to pray for you guys. I want to pray that God gives you the opportunity to grow in the miraculous. That's a risky prayer. It's a risky prayer. I'm going to ask that he open up doors of opportunity for you to pray for others. I'm going to ask that when you're faced with impossible situations, that he will quicken in your spirit to turn to him and to trust him for more than you've trusted him for in the past. And then I'm going to pray that when you do that, that you are going to see the miraculous happen in you and through you for his honor and his glory. So, Lord, as we come before you tonight, Lord, I am praying for this congregation. Lord, I'm praying for everyone who's under the sound of my voice. Lord, I know we are living in difficult and perilous times. And, Lord, what this world needs, what we need more than anything is true anointing in your presence in our life. Lord, not just to talk about in our head the, the goodness of who you are and the things that we've heard about, Lord, but from experience to be able to look people in the eye and to be able to say in ourselves, no matter what happens, I've experienced your goodness. I've experienced who you are. So, Lord, I'm asking that you would bring us to the place where we would go deep enough with you, Lord, that we would experience those things. Lord, I'm asking for an increased anointing. I'm asking for an increased awareness, Lord. I'm asking that you would turn our hearts towards you, Lord, that we would begin to trust you for deeper things, Lord, that we would begin to trust you for the miracles and the signs and wonders and the supernatural things that we see written in your word and we see all around us. Lord, I'm asking for opportunities, Lord, to be able to step out in faith Lord, to have our faith built. Lord, if that means that the situations are happening in our life, Lord, I'm just trusting for your grace and your mercy through those things, Lord, and I'm trusting that in the middle of them that you would cause us to turn to you first and primarily, Lord, and to trust you through them. Lord, I'm asking that as situations come up, Lord, where people around us need a touch from you, maybe their marriage needs healing, Lord, maybe they need deliverance from substance abuse, Lord, maybe they need to know who you are. Lord, maybe they're struggling with health issues in their life or they're just completely overwhelmed. Whatever it is, Lord, I'm asking that you would give us the grace and the anointing to be able to stand in those situations, Lord, and to minister the truth of your word. Help us to stand boldly in faith, Lord, and to trust you for more than we have ever trusted you for. Lord, build your kingdom through us and in us tonight. Lord, let us be that Elijah generation, not to just talk about it, Lord, but to see it. And, Lord, I'm asking that you would even raise up Elijah's in this day. Give us the double portion, Lord, in these last days. Allow us to do more than we thought we could ever do, to touch more lives than we thought we ever could. Build your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, it's so good to see you guys tonight. Praise the Lord. Next week, we're going to be in that building. Hallelujah. If you're streaming online, we're so glad that you have joined us. You guys all have a great night.